0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting podcast.
1: If I asked you about some of the most exhausting moments in parenting a teenager, you'd be thinking perhaps of maybe getting them to put the cell phone down or participate in some household activities and chores or come to church with us. I mean, these are things that moms and dads fight with their teens about. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta, who leads our parenting and youth department here at Focus. And Danny, you have met so many teens and their parents. Uh, why are these years so difficult?
0: Well, parenting <laughs> parenting teens can be interesting. And, interesting. And uh, in my counseling practice... That's very practice, generous of you. Interesting. <laughs> in my counseling <laughs> practice and in my own home... Uh, what you get to see are kids that physically can be adults, but mentally and emotionally are not there yet. And spiritually, they're in, they're in a growth process yet in their perception, they're thinking, Hey, I'm invincible. I want to take risks because that's a natural, normal thing in their brain. I can just, I can conquer this. I know this, their new knowledge is coming their way in um, in large amounts. And so they think they've got it. And uh, I, I, it, what the other part that's interesting here is that kids uh, in their teen years shift towards more immaturity than they had before in the yeah. early teen years. And uh, they're... Uh, their melatonin doesn't kick in till around midnight or one in the morning. So they're not I've tired. I've noticed that, yes. <laughs> they're not tired. So that design, I'll have to ask God about that one as to why that is. But it must it must serve a, a very important purpose. And so when we tell our kids, hey, you need to go to bed around nine or 10, they're going, what? I, I still You're have so a lot of energy. You're so unreasonable, Dad. I still have more, yeah. more in there, you know. And So it really, it's been been a rich experience for me, and I think it brings a lot of insecurities out in parents. Oh yeah. Because you're challenged in the moment, now you're saying, am I a bad parent? Look at my my teenagers doing this. You self-blame if your teenager makes a a poor decision. This is really about you engaging in relationship, coaching well, managing your own insecurities, so make sure you have a support system. Mm and then maybe it's a counselor as well that you need to talk to 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 figure out your own triggers that your teenager may be pushing
1: and perhaps your own past as well because what i've learned is the way i was parented by my good mom and dad has affected how i parent and sometimes that isn't exactly the most helpful for what my kids have needed Uh, In the teen years. Well, Focus President Jim Daly and I spoke with Dr. Ken Wilgus, who writes a lot about this. He's a psychologist and gave us some really useful advice about how to resolve conflict
2: with your teen. One of the most uh, probably difficult areas of that freedom is the decision to go to church with you. I mean, this is probably a fight in a lot of homes. That's right. I'm grateful to my kids. We don't have that argument. We did for a while when they were younger but they did buy in and they said, okay, yeah, we're, we'll go to church. Sometimes that doesn't always come easy, no. but speak to that. It's a common difficulty for parents of teenagers. You know, they're bored. It's not resonating with them. Um, the Bible study just isn't the right thing. Uh, speak to the parent on how to manage that well.
3: Well, you know, a teenager's spiritual life oftentimes exposes kind of where we are spiritually. And so mm-hmm. uh, teenagers ask questions that You know, little children ask questions that are cute, and they almost can be profound, and it helps us. Teenagers ask questions that are not cute. They're hard, and sometimes we're not very good at answering them and can be uh, frustrating. I think it's really important that at some point before your teenager leaves your house, you give your teenager the message that it is now up to you and God whether you go to church at all That is up to you. I have no problem with that being very late, like spring of senior year. That's fine with me the whole senior year, because up to that point, I don't like going well. This is that little most important thing in our whole life. And it's what our family does. And you have to come with us. But there needs to be a point when you let go of that.
1: There are going to be families, though, that have they're hearing you, but they're saying, that sounds nice, but we just have had so many blow-ups over this. How do we come to terms with this and get a win-win here?
3: Well, the thing we haven't talked about is that when you do get to the, the aspect of uh, consequences and expectations, there really is some pretty hard-line stuff. If you're 14, you have to go to church with us. To avoid big blow-ups is to be very clear that that means that if you're not up and ready to go when we're ready to go, you will receive the following consequences, and you need to be fairly firm about that. With it's not a matter of uh, trying to talk them into stuff. Uh, as we say in the book, uh, you know, you have to, with teenagers, as a parent, you're not a policeman, you're a judge. Yeah, and describe
2: so, that. That was my next question, actually, Well, it's a big difference.
3: Uh, a policeman has to do something to make things happen or not happen. A judge sits back and just makes sure that he or she is really clear on this is the law that's being broken and this is the consequence that's got to happen. The power that parents really have over teenagers is the fact that they own everything your teenager has. The clothes they're wearing right now, the computer that grandmom gave them is yours. Or as I like to say to that eighth grader that, oh, they can't take it from me. I always like to say, really? And if your dad takes your computer, who are you going to call? Hello, police, my dad. Oh, hello. Hello. No one's going to do anything about that. So you have that power and you need to exercise that power by simply letting them know that this is the thing that we told you you have to do. You did not do that thing. So this is the consequence for it. The more confident you are about that, the fewer blow ups, the less essentially, like I say, these control battles of trying to talk your teenager into stuff. Well, and happens. I so
2: appreciate that. It's really laying out the expectations clearly. And I think that's one of the reasons for us, at least, church hasn't been an issue. I mean, it's known yes. this is what we do on Sunday, and everybody's kind of moved with that. So your boy
3: will be eager to know when it is that it's now up to him. Correct. To uh, yeah, whether to go or Right
2: around the corner, in fact. Um, I want to, before we end today, I do want to talk about this issue of uh, the parental response to whatever it might be, poor behavior, etc. And the way that parents sometimes because we, you know, it pushes our buttons and we end up in a bad place, bursting out in anger or yelling. Um, How do we control that as parents and not let our teenagers get under our skin and push us emotionally? to where we're now in this confrontation
3: of yelling and in a shouting match with our teenager? Well, it's a really good question. I Believe it or not, I actually ex- uh, recommend caution in over um, looking at your parenting as far as, uh, what does this say about me and my upbringing? Because you can overdo that. The point you want to look at is when you're in conflict with yourself. Like, I keep blowing up about this thing. I keep getting upset. And that's the times you really need to ask, what is this doing within me? And most of the time, very Very often what it's doing is that the thing that your kid is struggling with is something you didn't handle yourself very well either. The most common example I've had is that research tells us that if I'm talking to parents of an ADD kid, then there's a good chance that one or both of these parents are also ADD. What research didn't tell me is that you can tell which parent is ADD very often. It's the one that doesn't believe in this whole ADD thing, and (laughs) I just think they're lazy and blah, 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 and you find out that he actually, it's very often he, uh, overcame those same features by being really hard. on himself Mm. and shaming himself, which is a way to get past uh, attention deficit disorder, one example. But it's also at a very high cost emotionally. Mm. The thing in your children that you lose your most patience with, that's the thing that probably says something about a battle that you're having within yourself.
1: Yeah. So, Danny, there are so many flashpoints for parents with teens. How do we prevent... I mean, is is it possible (laughs) to prevent all blow-ups with our teens? No,
0: no, that's an impossible task. Now, there are kids that have silent blow-ups, right? So they, point. they're peacemakers. They don't want to ruffle any feathers and they're silent, but deadly, right? In that sense that they they can really fester and have passive aggressive type of blow-ups that you may not see in the blow-up sense that you might see in a strong-willed child. So keep that in mind. And really it's a it really boils down to the relationship and conversation that you have with each of your children and knowing them, listening to them well, knowing what their interests are, who has God created your teen to be. Yeah. How are they wired? How are they wired? And also noticing the the, the gift of observation or the power of observation is huge for parents. Observe the nonverbals in your teen. They may say one thing. But if you slow down enough, you'll see something else potentially hmm. in your child's face and their mannerisms, their decision-making. Be observant as a parent and then ask the question, hey, I, I've noticed this. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I noticed that, I mean, I had one recently with my son. I noticed a, a shift in his emotional uh, countenance, a, emotional countenance on, on his face. And I said, Alex, what, what really is going on? I want, I want to know. I care about you. Can we go talk? Because I noticed your face shifted a yeah. little bit. And huh. he said, Dad, how did you see that? And I said, it's because I know you. Huh. And I know something's going on in there. And you're a peacemaker. And I want to know really what you need to talk about. Hmm. How, so how how about we go and talk for a little bit and, and figure out what that was, what that emotion is. And he initially said, I don't know. And then he was able to... Really uh, think about what what it was that shifted his emotions, and he he felt something a, a boundary we had placed was unfair hmm. to him, and that is so important to engage in that. He wasn't challenging us by saying it was an unfair. Yeah. yeah, you didn't boundary. set out
1: saying what's the problem or anything like that that would spark some defensive action on his part and maybe right. lead to conflict.
0: And it leads to him being able to be a leader in his home. Yeah, being okay with conflict. Peacemakers aren't so. Okay with conflict. Right, and right. he needs to be able to enter that as a dad and a husband someday.
1: You know, we, uh, we've got five adult kids, and they're all so different. Some were just flat out in my face, straight up honest and combative. So, you know, this is the truth. What do you want to do about it? Others were compliant. One child I'm thinking of was seemingly compliant, but we found out later this individual had given um, themselves a tattoo when they were about 16. And it looks like, uh, yeah, it would hurt. And (laughs) it it looks as bad as you might expect, a self-administered tattoo. And Hmm. it was all because I said, no, I'm not going to sign a waiver. You can wait until you're 18. I made some big deal out of wait until you're 18, which in retrospect, I still wouldn't change. But uh, my point is that child seemed to be complying, but there was some conflict there. And the way that they took it was kind of into putting matters into their own hands literally
0: and i wonder what the underlying need was there Mm -hmm. right in that moment the moment you you would have with that child to say what why are you wanting a tattoo what what's in it for you because it's gonna be painful it's gonna be there forever you see something that's a big gain what is it help me understand
1: yeah and i've only recently found out that that child actually helped tattoo another Child
0: (laughs) in another family.
1: (laughs) So we'll have some further counseling after we finish this podcast. For right now, if you're a mom or a dad and you want some resources on parenting the wonderful world, and I mean that, teens are wonderful. Um, we want to just come alongside you and encourage you and help you smile about it. Uh, We do have some terrific resources, including a free parenting assessment and some really helpful articles about talking to your teen. Of course, we do have the book by Dr. Ken Wilgus that we've been featuring called Feeding the Mouth That Bites You, and we're making that available to you as our thank you gift for your generous support of any amount to the work of Focus on the Family. I hope you can donate today. Uh, You'll find details in the episode notes. Next time, this will be a good one. Ginger Hubbard about taming your child's tongue. Uh, For now, on behalf of Danny Huerta and the entire team, thanks for joining us for the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.